My name is Heather Pittman. Today's first reading is from the Good News according to John, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can know these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony? If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lift up the, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Our second reading is from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and, trust, and, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Come, O fount of every blessing, and tune our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Tune our hearts that we might hear your word, and we might be brought eternal life, that we might be reborn, born again, born anew from above. Amen. Nicodemus knows his stuff. He's a rabbi, a teacher of the faith. He's been to seminary. He got the master's degree, finished that off with a PhD, a little postdoc work overseas, plenty of pastoral experience in the local community of faith, and worked his way up in the hierarchy to the council overseeing all the congregations in the country. He's got all the knowledge, he's got all the titles, all the influence, he's brilliant and experienced. He's kind of a big deal, Nicodemus. During Nicodemus' tenure, though, another big deal arrives on the scene, this country bumpkin from Galilee in Nazareth, you know, redneck country. Going to make some comment about Black Creek, but no. <laughs> it's from Black Creek. Yeah. <laughs> this guy named Jesus. This guy named Jesus. Jesus arrives suddenly on the scene, gathering followers, crowds of adoring fans, teaching and preaching and feeding, even performing miracles. Supposedly, she showed up at a wedding in Cana and the keg was dry. There were empty wine bottles piled up as high as the dumpster out back. The party was just about dead. Then Jesus allegedly resurrected it by making the water cooler run red with the finest Cabernet Sauvignon. Ooh la la. I actually had to look up Google. What is fanciest wine? <laughs> Obviously, I don't know. Of course, you have to take a report like this with a grain of salt. After all, there was an open bar, right, first of all. And besides, these hillbillies don't have the kind of education necessary to discern miracle from metaphor, right? Of course, this uncredentialed Jesus rubs most of the religious and political establishment the wrong way. His interpretation of Scripture pushes the bounds of established norms, and his ethical teachings make the Roman occupiers kind of nervous. He's a little too popular. And no doubt there's some kind of jealousy as to the size of Jesus' crowds. I mean, we have trouble getting a few people out to synagogue on Saturdays, and this guy's filling stadiums. These folks must be brainwashed. It's the only explanation as to his popularity. Jesus is the last guy any respectable clergyman, politician, or public intellectual wants to be seen with. But you know, Nicodemus, he's pretty curious. He's pretty curious. He's like the opera singer who finds herself humming nothing but Justin Bieber in the car or shower, you know. Nicodemus keeps this shameful truth to himself. 
Despite all the Twitter hate piled on him, though, there's something about Jesus that Nicodemus finds himself drawn to. Jesus has captivated him. So one day he sneaks out to meet with him, not wanting to spoil his career or ruin his reputation. Nicodemus heads out in the middle of the night, away from prying eyes. And he declares to Jesus that he is a secret fan and that he's not the only one. There's others, he knows. Rabbi, he says, we all know that you're a teacher sent by God. This is some crazy stuff we do, you do, but we can't help but think that God is up to something here in you. You're the real deal, and most of us know it, even if we don't say so publicly. Jesus' response, though, is a little disconcerting. Very truly, I tell you, amen, amen. No one can see the kingdom of God, he says, without being born from above. You know, the Greek word means two things. It's kind of a double entendre here. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, without being born again. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Say what? (laughs) I mean, Nicodemus, being a rational, reasonable person, sees this as nonsense, maybe a joke. Uh, Hate to break it to you, Jesus, but I'm a few decades past my due date. Are you telling me that I have to find somehow find a womb with the water and the, uh, you know, and go through all that again? He takes it very literally, Nicodemus, what Jesus is saying. And realizing Nicodemus' density, Jesus walks him through it again. Very truly, I tell you, amen, he says. Nobody can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What's flesh is flesh, and what's born of the Spirit is Spirit, Jesus says. You were already born of water after nine months in the womb. What I'm talking about here is a second birth, a spiritual rebirth. I'm talking about a restart, a total Reboot, a complete reconstruction of your humanity from the top to the bottom, from above by the power of God giving birth to a whole new you. I mean, you're a teacher of Israel, for God's sake, literally for God's sake. Don't tell me they left this out at seminary. You have to be born again from above. You have to be born again from above. It's these words, really, that we get to the heart of the Christian message. Often, faith is reduced to ethics, i.e., what we should do or should not do, or it's reduced to abstract belief, hold these ten propositions in your head, or it's reduced to advocating for a particular political sometimes left-wing, sometimes right-wing vision, politics and policy. Now, don't get me wrong, these are, aren't unimportant things. These are important things, but they really only scratch the surface of the kind that's 
kind of change that's needed in us and in our world. Here Jesus tells us it's about being reborn, not a simple tweak, technique, or optional add-on. There are no five steps to salvation because there is a short circuit in our human nature that no simple tweak can fix. No, Christianity, the Christian message, is about being completely remade from the inside out. Our other scripture passage from Paul uses the language of new creation. See, everything has become new. Everything old has passed away. Becoming truly human, fully human. Our lives being entirely transformed and conformed to the image of God in Jesus Christ. It's a Total makeover, human nature edition. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. Was it Home and Garden? No Home and Garden viewers here. Um, we need to be remade. We need to be born all over again by the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus says. It's the only thing that can save us. The only thing that can save us. So, get at it. Go on. Do it. Be more like Jesus already, people. I keep telling you this. Just go. Be more like Jesus. No? Be born again, everybody. Try. Now. How come you aren't doing it? No matter how many times I tell you, you aren't doing it. A few decades ago, the great evangelist Billy Graham had a book called How to Be Born Again. You know, and it had kind of five steps on how to do it. And no offense to Billy, really no offense. But the funny thing about being born is it's not something that we do ourselves. Is it? I mean, imagine being a baby in the womb and somebody passes you a book, How to Be Born. It doesn't quite work like that. Does anybody remember my impression of a fig tree from a few weeks ago trying harder to bear fruit? It's just like, ah! Ah! Try harder and harder. It's pretty much the same with being born. Here's my impression of a baby in a womb trying harder to be born. That's pretty much it, right? Baby trying to be born. It's just in there. More kicking. <laughs> That's true. I didn't try my best. Of course, we can do a little wiggling. We can do a little struggling. We can do a little kicking. We can try to claw our way, but mostly it's all out of our hands. Being born. Jesus says the Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going. Jesus says that God sent the Son that we might not perish, not that we sent for Him through the right techniques or good or moral behavior. No. Being born again is something that happens 
to us. It comes when it comes. The water breaks when the water breaks. All we can really do is go with it when it does. All we can do is trust that wherever those waters are taking us, or how, no matter how terror-inducing the change, no matter how hard or difficult it's going to be, that it's going to be okay. Of course, this is our second week in our baptismal series, and I've kind of danced around it a little bit, but the Scripture's got strong baptismal themes. From the beginning, the church has always read Jesus' words about being born again by water and the Spirit as a direct reference to baptism. That the water is the water of rebirth. And the baptismal font, which we set out front and center, fill every Sunday, that is the womb of God. There's your Mother's Day sermon right there. (laughs) God's womb, the font. Again, as I said last week, baptism itself isn't a magic charm that fixes us or automatically makes us better people, but baptism carries God's promises to us. And with this scripture text, the promise is that our lives can change, that the world can change, that we can be reborn, we can be made new by the power of of God, that in Christ we are a new creation. I am and you are. Could we go to the next slide, please? Paul Hoffman is a retired Lutheran pastor in Seattle. He also happens to be a consultant that we're working with in implementing our Christian formation process in the fall. And Paul tells this story of a couple, Robert and Maria, and their newborn baby, Jared. This family showed up at church one Sunday telling Paul that they were looking to have their baby baptized. And after the service, Robert notified Paul that their extended family was all gathering together in Seattle in two weeks' time, and he was the pastor that they had chosen for infant Jared's baptism. Despite the fact that they'd never seen him before, or met him before in their lives. You know, unfortunately for them, this church didn't do what Paul calls a drive-through baptism. Instead, Paul invited them to join their spiritual formation process called the Way, the Way. And this process involved meeting with others over a meal and hosting the scripture text from Sunday over several months. And this is what we're going to be embarking on in the fall. Well, it wasn't exactly what they'd envisioned in terms of the quick two-week turnaround, get that baby done. Paul convinced them that it would allow all three of them to become more deeply aware of and reflective on the meaning of their own baptisms, what it means to be baptized, the joys and costs of following Jesus. And, you know, after some thought... They agreed, but they ended up getting more than they'd bargained for in the end. Not long after the way began in the fall, 
Paul says, Robert, the dad, came to see him. And Robert seemed a little bit nervous when they were sitting in his office. And Robert began, he said, we've never really talked much about my work, pastor. We've never talked much about my work, but through the Bible studies and the way and the conversations with my sponsor, I'm beginning to see that I can't be a good baptismal daddy for my son and still keep working where I currently work. I just can't do it. You know, what is it you do exactly, Robert? Paul asked. And again, nervous, Robert said, I'm the manager of a club downtown. Well, <laughs> it's not, not any club. It is a strip club, I'll be honest. I think I need to look for something different. I can see that Christ loves and values all people, that my current work is exploiting women, and I want something better for my son, for my wife, and for myself. I can see that Christ loves and values all people, and I want something better for all of us, for them, for me, and my family. And not long after Jared was baptized and Robert and Maria stood before the con congregation to affirm their, their own baptisms, the family sold their home, packed up their belongings, and moved to Chicago, where Robert shifted from exploiting bodies in a strip club to mending them, studying physiotherapy. The birth of this new baby had them seeking out baptism, and they got more than they bargained for. They were just looking for a little family ritual with a little, you know, little sprinkling. Instead, their whole lives got pulled under a tidal wave of change. They were reborn by water and the Spirit. It wasn't easy. It's not something that they asked for, right? I mean, they didn't go searching for this. But the Spirit blows where it will. It wasn't easy. It was difficult. It was costly. It was life uprooting. It was scary. All of those things. But they were able to go with it. Trusting that the waters they were caught up in weren't carrying them off to death off a cliff, but towards the infinite sea of life with God, life in the full. Of course, they weren't all the way there, but their baptisms assured them that with Christ, they were new creations, that the floodgates of eternity were always open and they'd never be shut. And really, dear friends, the same promise is for us, whether we are baptized or whether we are 
simply longing for the life, longing for new birth, longing for newness. The same promise is for each of us. It's true that no tiny tweak or technique will make us who we ought to be. No matter how many times I tell you, be born again, you will not be born again. Get out of there, baby. doesn't work. But the promise of the gospel is that God is at work in Jesus Christ, making new people out of us from the inside out. The font is the womb where we're given the promise of rebirth, of total transformation. Which means that your life can be different. And it will be different. Our world can be different, and it will be different. You are being remade. You are being made new. Not by your own efforts, earning, or achievement, but by God's ever-flowing grace poured out on the cross for you in Jesus Christ and sealed in his resurrection. In Jesus Christ, God is giving birth to a whole humanity, a river of life flowing from the cross to deliver us all into a new creation. Baptism is the sign and seal of your rebirth, and when it comes, all you can really do is ride the wave in faith. So, dear friends, every time you wash your face, every time you bathe your kids, every time you kick a puddle, every time you jump into a boat by goose spit, Every time you come to this place and see that font filled, remember this truth, that in Christ there is a new creation. May you ride the wave and let it change you. May you be born again by water and the Spirit. Amen.